Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. Time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted. Welcome to another edition of Pound Time Podcast. I am Brother L. Diazobra, formerly named Lyman White. Thank you for joining us today. We have two special young men. They was very instrumental in directing, guiding, informing, just so much they've done for me. I asked them to come on where we can have some dialogue, where we can sit here and, and share some past and the future on where, where things are, where things are going. We might be talking from mass incarceration to reparation. We're going to have a lot going on here today. I got my dear friend, <clears throat> Brother Paul Thomas. Welcome today, Paul. Thank you, Mr. LD. Glad to be here. And I got my other dear friend here. These are, they are, these are young men, much younger than me. I got Demond Great. Welcome to Count Time, Demond. I'm happy to be here, Mr. LD. Look forward to a great dialogue this evening. And we're going to have more than just great dialogue. We, <laughs> what did we call it back in the day? We're going to be sitting here doing what? <laughs> What'd chopping it up. Chopping it up. <laughs> Tell them what chopping it up means, fella. Kicking it, like Kicking they say. It, shucking it, jive. Shucking it, jive. <laughs> uh, uh, talking so, about it. All right, then. So they, they, they're the one who, back in the day, we talk about chopping it up. But these are the young men who truly know what cow time is all about. Brother Paul. Tell them what cow time is all about. How did cow time? What is what is cow time? How did we get to know about cow time? Well, that depends if you're talking about being uh, accountable or if you're talking about federal prison. You know, they both go hand in hand. Go hand in hand. You know, when I first heard you use the term count time, I was thinking every woman and man as it relates to moral obligations, what you're doing to benefit others, how are you being accountable for your actions. Then the other side, because I experienced the other side, I had a flashback when you said count time <laughs> from federal prison. So, yeah, I mean, that's just my thoughts off top about the issue. You don't want to experience the second part of count time, trust me, <laughs> as we all did. But um, so what is it directly that you want to know about count time? Okay, that's what we're here to share with everybody. We want demand to tell everybody what do you know about count time? But how are you familiar with the term count time? Well, uh, unfortunately, like like Paul mentioned, I learned about count time um, from being in prison, um, and that's a road that I hope more people do not take. In prison, there's a certain time of the day where each inmate has to be accounted for. When the guards come in and they holler count time, everybody comes out of their out of their cells. Uh, they stand in front of their cell block at attention, and they have to stand there at attention until each inmate is counted. And if the numbers don't match up, then the guards are gonna go and count again and count again, and you're gonna have to stand there. If it take an hour or two hours, you're gonna stand there until each inmate is accounted for. And they call it an account got that, to be right. An account got to be right. <laughs> got to be right. So we all had an experience <clears throat> with count time. So we, but what happened with this experience is that we was in prison, but also the PRISON, it had us in lockdown. The PRISM, the Prism of Light, 
have shined upon us. So we've been enlightened with the prisms of light, all the different light coming through. These two young men have opened my eyes of understanding to a whole nother level when I arrived in Oakdale. So well, I'm gonna say it like this. <clears throat> the universe allowed us to go and study abroad. We studied abroad at Oakdale, Louisiana. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> and we all three received us a PhD, prisonology, prisonology degree. <laughs> we had a different, different enlightenment, different training That's that right. prepared us for this day and this time. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So our experience, we're going to share a little about our experience. We're going to share a little about what happened uh, with, uh, with us at that time. And I want us to be, this is going to be the opening of this show. We're not planning on going here, but because of our experience, we need to let each party know a little bit about us. I mean, I served two years in Oakdale, Louisiana for Medicaid fraud. It was 30, 30, 30, 30, 30 or 33 months, whatever that is, whatever that add up to be. And it was a, a definitely a trying time, but I was a big boy about it. I didn't, I didn't, mm. I didn't cry. I didn't, you know, complain. I just went there and did my time. So it was, t it was, it's, it's, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't tough time because I didn't make it tough on myself, but it was hard time because in your mind, you got to, you know, he's working through this. It's, I guess it's like it was, it was another form of slavery because what you realize, slavery is not a physical thing, it's a mental thing. Yes, sir. And that's what, what happened to most of us. We are enslaved in our own mind. Mm -hmm. So, the uh, mind, tell us what about your situation. How you end up at Oakdale? Well, uh, basically, influenced, influenced by the streets, influenced by society. I had a drug charge and, you know, ended up getting caught, which most people will, <laughs> you know, there's nowhere around it. Uh, so I caught a drug charge in um, around 2003, 2004. And how old were you at that time? I was uh, 28 years old. 28? <clears throat> yeah. And, and so that's not young by any stretch of the imagination. A 28-year-old man is not young, but if your influence is not, is not a good influence, it doesn't matter how old you are. You will be influenced by uh, even the, the wrong things. And that's, that's what you know, got me caught up is the negative influence. And how much time did they give you for the drug charge? Uh, my, my time, my original sentence was, uh, I believe, 87, about 87 months. You see, that, that, that's, that's deceptive, you all. I want you to understand the federal government got a whole other system. They say 87 months. You be thinking, well, 87 months ain't long. Yeah. But you had them months up. How many years were that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's right about five or six, well, 87, about, about 12. Uh, I want to say it was about five, well, six. About seven years. About seven, seven years. years. Yes. Okay. Somewhere in there. And, and the reason I say that because there was uh, additional time. You know, I did time in the in the in the state. You know, before actually going into the feds. So I think altogether I probably did about seven about seven years altogether. Okay. Yeah. Brother Paul, share your, your your experience. Pretty much like Mr. Demond said, it was influence. You know, one. Uh, one things instantly. So I struggle with instant gratification. Uh, I wanted to take the easy route out. And so that decision led me into federal prison. I was sentenced to 236 months. Ooh. 
That's 19 years and eight months. So I tell most people 20 years because that's what it is, you know. <laughs> All right. Now how many months they say? Uh, 236 months. And that was really 20 years. 19 and, and years, how, how eight old months. Were you at the time? I was 27 years old, arrested for drug trafficking. Didn't caught, didn't get caught with anything. Well, not that ghost dose, don't forget that. Huh? Well, mm. it's kind of sorta. It was other people's involvement that they couldn't take their charge, didn't want to take their lick. Um, so when you're back against the wall, what I learned is a man is not going to value your life over his life. So we like to point the finger and say such and such told on me. But if you wouldn't give if you wouldn't give jurisdiction and you wouldn't dabble in areas to allow people to infiltrate, testify, turn on you, then it's all your choices, it's all your fault. So I allow people to I guess you could say commit crimes together, commit crimes with me. And thinking there was loyalty. It's like falling in the snake pit and one of them bites you, you say, why you bit me? <laughs> you, you playing in the snake pit at that point, you know? Right. And so, yeah, that was my experience. I learned that nobody's going to value your life over their life. So I don't want to indulge in any area of life to where I got to depend on somebody valuing my life over theirs. Because nine times out of ten, when they back against the wall, they're going to fend for self. You fortunately, know? you didn't have to do those 19, 20 years. Now. I did 15 years and two months you on that. 15 years. Flat time in the feds. 15 years and two months. Oh, that's yeah. a long time. That's a long yes, time of your life. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> when I arrived in Oakdale, of course, it was a rough time. It was a tough time for me. But I ran across these two young men, Damon and Paul who was always sitting around having these philosophical discussions back <laughs> then in yep. the federal prison. And how old are you now, Devon? I'm 47 now. And you deep? 48. Okay, so at the time, y'all was in y'all... I think when I met you, I was in my 30s. You was in, you was in, you probably was, if you, what, how old are you now? 48. You're 48, so you 48, you was in your early 30s. Yeah, I was in my 30s Because those had to be, I arrived there 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. So that was 16 years ago. So you was in your mid-30s. Mid-30s, yeah. And <clears throat> I was in my late 40s when right. I arrived. So I was one of those, what you call the old school. OG. <laughs> they, 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 OG, what they call them? OG. OG. They used to call me Pops. And I didn't like that. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> they used to call me Pops. Everybody get a nickname. Yeah, everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you go to prison, you go, they definitely going to give you a nickname. So I got a chance. So I don't quite remember how, but I remember sitting on the rec yard one day. And uh, of course, we're from Louisiana, all three of us from Louisiana. So a lot of the people there, not, I wouldn't say most, but close to, I would say, at least 30%, 35% of people was from Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And when you're in prison, you know, people kind of galvanize together from the same area. Same states. Oh, state, state. you know, you're into the same type of, type of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. so, so one day I happened to be sitting by these young men, and they was having, they were sitting there, what we call chopping it up. They talking about law. They talking about the government. They talking about investment. They was speaking on all range of information. I became intrigued when they started sharing with me about how the government and the federal government works, how they entrap most into the system. 
and it didn't really make sense to me at first, but mm -hmm. after sitting there, then I say chopping it up mm -hmm. and understanding what was going on, how the system worked, it became alive in me, became real, like, oh man, you know. And then I understood what it meant by they say ignorance is no excuse no for excuse. the law. That's right. Yeah. Right. And what you when we depend on the lawyers, we all are in trouble because the lawyer's job is to represent the system, not that's you. Right. Yes, you hate to say it like that, but right. that's who they work for, the system. That's right. And the federal system is got to be one of the most draconic, draconic systems because everybody in the system, from the prosecutors, the officers, the judge, the attorneys, all work for the same system. Work for the mm -hmm. same system. So if everybody works for the same system, it's a good chance that they're gonna be working against you. Right. Mm -hmm. So these this is the way that you know that we came into having conversation, having discuss discussion about the prison system. Now you tell me what was your experience like and how you come to understand more about the system, about law. Demand. Paul. I was arrested in Houston, Texas. And back in 2000 and I'm facing a lot of time at the time didn't caught get caught with anything all it was gonna be is word of mouth so at that point I'm thinking about fighting my case so I was preparing to go to trial at that time as a young man you was thinking about fighting your own case yes um, one of the reasons why I came into some information that shed light on the whole system you know I learned about how the system was set up as a bank the prison system, the courthouse. Court is a bank. Yeah, like the judges' chambers is the chambers of commerce. Um, everything mimics the Bible as it relates to the money templars. When I was enlightened about how this system worked, I just kept reading and I kept reading. And when I tell you I was having a good time absorbing this knowledge, and I would look around and see everybody was asleep, it was just revelation to me. So I kept reading and I found out that every penal code that you are charged with has a monetary assessment attached to it and that the pistols, the guns, the goat's dope, all of that was an illusion to get to that penal sum. So once you're convicted, the public is on the hook to pay that penal sum. So it's an illusion about the dope and the drugs, they don't care nothing about that. That was just a means of them at getting to that penal sum, which is a bond that's created, put on the exchange, and the American public is paying for your incarceration. Matter of fact, we I talked about that in one of my uh, podcasts when I say you've been charged. Uh -huh. And the word charged don't mean what we think it means. Yeah, it means an actual account has been charged to you, yeah. and right. you have to pay that debt. And you become the asset that sits in prison like Fort Knox. Prison is no more than a modern-day Fort Knox. All prisoners are assets to debt, and that's why they have to be accountable for it at 4 o'clock every day. They have to make sure that the assets are in place for the debt that's being monetized. No different when the stock market closes every day. Mm. They, gotta, oh. they, they have to make sure everything, right. everything is, is accounted, accounted for. Accounted for exactly. So, and a matter of fact, when you go back to how they enslaved our ancestors, mm -hmm. it was chatter, chatter slavery. Which mm -hmm. was really commerce, business. Mm -hmm. So they was ho they was using people, human, as property or resource 
uh, cash flow, like a cash flow. You can yeah. borrow, you can borrow against a human being. Yeah. Uh huh. See, back then they was using their labor. More so, they was using their labor. But now, through the monetary system, how it's been established on a credit-based system, they figured out a way to monetize your labor electronically without actually physical labor by charging the American public. They make it they got the American public paying for the incarceration, the incarceration of those sitting in prison. And they, they, they telling you, well, we need to clean up this system. We need to be tough on, on crime. But the, the real crooks. <laughs> the real crooks is sitting in the courthouse <laughs> working together. <laughs> look, we, look and we, and we mean this for real. This yeah. ain't, we ain't just saying this. I'm not right. bitter about the incarceration the amount of time, but when you learn the truth, these guys is like, Let's say, for instance, on my, my penal sum was $4 million. Do you not know it's as if the prosecutor closed on $4 million mortgage, a home? So they're selling real estate, and they're reaping huge commissions for doing so that goes into their retirement fund. And they're incentivized to do so, especially if you have a lot of assets they seize from you once you're incarcerated. Yeah. That's booty. Mm-hmm. That's what the pirates call it. You look in Black's Law Dictionary under booty. What's that? It's when they capture enemy, have any type of goods, anything in value. They break bread. They split that up and divide it. And that's what that they, incentivizes them to go out and look for these things. And that's what I said in, in the beginning: how the prosecutor, the judge, the uh, the officers of the court, the attorneys. They all are benefiting from yes. each one of us being locked up. Being locked up. So, so the mind. From your perspective, sitting where you were sitting at, how do you process or observe what, what we're talking about for us, uh, the system, the, the penal system, right. the, uh, the prison system? The warehouse. I mean, they call, they call it, the, the, it the prison, what they call it? Modern day plantation. Yeah. Modern yeah. day plantation. And, and, and you really are <clears throat> considered a slave because you right. no longer have any rights as a prison. Right. So let me hear what you have to say, Jamal. Well, my, my experience, everything what, what Paul said is, is, is right on, right on point. With me, I knew that something wasn't right in, in my case. I wasn't satisfied with the results that, that I was getting. Keep in mind that I'm a young man, 28 years old, first time really getting in trouble. And, you know, most people tell you, get a lawyer. That's the first thing they say, get a lawyer. And so that's what I did. And I spent a lot of money on an attorney uh, who told me that it was really nothing that he can really do for me. In, in other words, the, the, the only relief that I could get is if I cooperate. But this after you to pay him. Yes, sir. For his services. For, for services. And what's the first thing they're going to tell you when you, go, when you seek their services? Well, I mean, they used to say a lot of. They, they first, but they first tell you, we're going to be able to help you. This is a good case. I think I can yeah, help well, you get out of it. They're also salesmen. So they, they have to sell sell something to you to, you know, in order for you to believe that you can be helped. But unfortunately, I, I got an understanding real quick after my money was spent that things wasn't panning out the way I thought it should. After I was already in custody, I knew it had to be something that I could do. And so that's what led me to going into the law, uh, the law library, talking to other gentlemen, gentlemen there, uh, opening up books for myself, you know, looking at my charges, going into the codes and defining my charges, looking at, you know, everything that's 
in that code concerning what's what's relevant to me you know and i and i'm not going to tell you i got it all right then you know um but paul made a statement about coming into knowledge there was another uh, young man that was in in the law library all the time and he was a real gentleman type of guy and he asked me one day he said man do you you want to know the truth you want to you want to you want to see what's really going on and i i was like well you know, I guess, you know, you got like, something new to tell me. I mean, like the Matrix. I mean, like the Matrix. Do you, mm-hmm. Well, you do, hey, you want this red pill or the blue pill? So <laughs> I decided to take the red pill. And he, he brought me a book. And he said, man, take your time. He said, but he said, man, when you read this book, he said, man, it's, it's, it's going to really, really change how you have seen the world. You, you like, remember the name of that book? That the name of that book was Cracking the Code. <laughs> Cracking the name the of code. that book for anybody want to be enlightened, get the book, Cracking the Code. And so I read that book, and at the same time, I'm, I'm steady going to the law library, I'm reading the book, and it was like everything was starting to make sense. I, I, I was starting to see the matrix, right? And I'm saying, wow, this is, this is crazy how how all of this stuff is relevant to commerce. Like they have us living in, in what we believe to be a system. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. The prosecutors, the, the, the courts to open up an account. Right. So you you are being charged, really literally being charged a debt. Right. Yes. And we go in there think we fighting a crime, but you you know it's, it's, that ain't what's going. That's the delusion. Right. Exactly. It's all about money. It's, it's all it's all about the money. And and before we go any further, I would like to add you know, a, a lot of people ask why, you know, even in the, in the movie The Matrix, they told, they told you stop asking how, when, and where, and learn about the why. Why is this happening? You know, why is it like this? And um, what Paul mentioned in the beginning about the banking system, you know, people have to understand that our country and the world has been bankrupt. We, we no longer have credits. So everything is operating off of a debt system. So the system and how what we're talking about, how they are operating, it's, a, it's actually a necessity because we don't, we don't, we're not, we don't, we don't have the, the structure, and that might not be the right word, and Paul probably can help me out on this, but we don't have the foundation to go back to a system where everything is not based in commerce. Right, mm-hmm. because so, that's the original setup. Right of the American system. The the original setup was was a debt. It, it was a credit and debt system. And if you think about the monies that we use, you know, and that and that word is very controversial, but mm-hmm. very simply, you know, at one time people understood that gold or silver was the money. It, it was. Right. It, it was the only and, and true real money. It was the only true, and it was a credit, meaning that when you applied this gold or silver to something, it actually got rid of the debt. It got rid of it. It didn't exist anymore. So what? What did the system do, Paul? What, what happened with the with the with the with the gold and silver? Well, I guess May Day, uh, May first, uh, nineteen thirty-three, if I'm not mistaken. Goal was to be confiscated. Thirty-three to thirty. You talking about that's the that's the numbers. Thirty-three. Yeah. Well, what just happened was we had the Great Depression in twenty-nine and the stock market crash of twenty-nine, and uh, the whole nation pretty much went bankrupt. 
And that's when they implemented the new banking system, central banks. And we know central bank was implemented because we didn't have any more money. We went from real money to a credit and debit based system. So that's when America went from the American dollar being backed by gold to now being backed by the good and faith of his people. The, yes. The, so, so everybody in this country are part of the new money system. Yes. You call it fiat money? Fiat, yeah, fiat currency. Fiat currency? Yeah. yeah, it's not money, it's fiat currency. currency. You look up currency. And, and what do that mean? Well, it means a promise to pay. A promise to pay. Everybody yes. call it, that's why they call a dollar bill what? It's a liability. It's a promise. It's a promissory note. Yeah, it's, it's a promissory note. It's a promise to pay. <laughs> it's, a it's a liability. It's all the, it, it was written on a dollar bill. It's promissory. Still, it's still, still written on it. So yeah. most people realize it's a promissory note. Yeah. So now when they ask you, or like you was just mentioning about, they charge your account. There's no real means to pay for it, because the flesh and blood man is the asset. That's why we sit in prison. So our ass set in prison. Our ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yes, sir. So, so when you parallel that with slavery, it's still the exact same system. It's the system. one and the same. It just upgraded. Right. Technology allow everything to move faster, commerce <clears throat> to move faster, transaction to move faster, mm -hmm. and it allowed a lot of crookedness to go about. If you're not familiar with the statutes and codes that they implemented as a means to extract this new money from the people that they're unaware of. So they have to put statute and codes in place so you don't know what they're actually doing. And the statute and codes are just, what, what they call that? It's a way to put them to hide and cover yeah. up. And extract. Yeah. But see, this is the thing I found out too. Those so-called codes and statutes, they only benefit the creditor. Mm. In other words, if I'm being represented in court by an attorney, I'm the debitor. If I don't rebut that assumption and show otherwise, hey, the illusion aspect, I didn't, that's not my gun. That's not my drugs. That's the illusion aspect of what's going on. The reality is that it's not about the gun and it's not about the drug. It's about you applying a credit to this debt. And if you can't, we're going to hold you as the asset to pay it off. And that's why you sit a bond. And that's why they, they tell you you're going to pay your debts to society. Pay your right. debts to society. But you're really paying it to the bankers. You're paying yeah. it to the bankers. And check this out. So imagine this. You sitting in prison. You're being charged for a debt that you have no knowledge whatsoever of how to get rid of other than to go sit in prison. So what we were discussing and we were chopping up about the knowledge we came into is we found a way to apply a credit to that debt. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to get past it. I don't want nobody. Yeah. I, I want y'all to live through this. Yeah. Not through this part. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't but want them to come and seize you all. Right. <laughs> can I, can please, I interject? Please you know, Because I know a lot of people, that's, that's hard, hard for them to understand. They want, most people would not right. have any clue. Yeah. So right. we have to kind of break it down to a situation that people normally deal with. So if you take everything Paul just said and translate that into somebody giving you a credit card that has already been charged up with a couple million dollars, right? They give you a credit card and they say, hey, hold on to this card. It's in your possession. You are now responsible for 
this debt that's on this credit card, right? Now, they already know that we don't have the right form of money or credit to pay or to settle that debt, to pay it off, to get rid of it. So you can't pay it off and get rid of it, and they know this. So, so what they do is they use uh, the mortgage system. See, that's the language that we're used okay. to. Right. Go ahead and finish. But the most, you know, that that terminology is what most people can understand. If you if they can relate that to the situation Paul was was talking about, it's very simple. How do you end up in a situation that you're in? How do you end up in a prison? How do you end up as the debtor? Um, you know, how did that happen? They gave you that card under the under the disguise that you committed a crime. That's what Paul was saying. That's where the illusion at. What, okay. what, and, and nobody ever defined what a crime is. The Black's Law plainly defines what a crime is. Okay. So in order to have a crime, first of all, you must have, what's the main thing you have to an have? Injured party. Injured you party. got to have an injured party. An accuser. And and, which is an injured party, like, somebody you promise service to, somebody you damage or put at harm's way. Uh, or in, in the black law term, you create a contract with. Yeah, or you, a you, contract being created through a uh, damaged yeah, party. Uh, yeah, a contract. Uh, yeah. A contra so really, a crime really is that a, a, a contract was breached. It was a breach of contract. A breach of contract. And somebody is old. Now, right. in law, a breach of contract is when you have an accuser. But in the legal system, a breach of contract is they're assuming that you're their property and that even though you don't have an accuser, you don't have a right to carry this pistol. You don't have a right to be in possession of this substance. And so because they say you pledge your allegiance to this United States corporation, you gave your God-given rights away to be taken care of. So now you don't need an accuser to be charged and with the crime. And what, what you're saying is this here. There's two different systems operating simultaneously. Right. Yeah. There's a lawful system and a legal system. Yes. Right. Jesus spoke of that back in his days. When he said, if you have any art or uh, problem with your brother and sister, you go to your brother and sister. In the book of Acts. And in other words, that's the lawful way to do it. Right. If your yeah. brother and sister don't receive it, go get, a, go get someone else and you go back again. Yeah. Right. Then it's, if that don't work, you go back to someone else or bring the elders in. That's a lawful system. That's the administrative process. The legal system says, when Jesus said, render to Caesar what Caesar. Right. Mm -hmm. Or woe to you Pharisees and Sadducees that burden your people with your legal system. Mm -hmm. That's your laws that, right. that, created, that's create, that was created to operate that you pull right. our people into. Yeah. So there's two systems you're saying going on simultaneously, simultaneously. a legal system and a lawful, <clears throat> and a lawful system. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. You remember, and I refer to the Bible, a lot of people refer to it as the Word of God. Uh, some people refer to it as a foundation in which for guidance and wisdom. But I've read the Bible several times, and in the Bible they say Jesus went into the temple and turned over the table of the money changers. You remember that? Okay. And said, you have made my father's house a den of thieves. There go your two systems. What are money changers, bankers, doing in a synagogue, in a church? What were they doing? They were just doing God's will? They were indebting the people. Usury. That was illegal. Taxation. That was illegal. 
That's they were they, making the people buy doves and bring pigeons and paying for their sins or for their alleged crimes by collecting assets, goods, and so on and so forth as a means of payments. Well, well hold on, hold on, brother, brother Paul. You might cause some problems because now you're saying a lot of preachers, <laughs> when they collect uh, with tithes and offerings, offering, <laughs> that's the same kind of <clears throat> system? Well, in the situation of the courtroom, we're talking about those who are posing as high priests, those who are posing as men and women of righteousness, those that are supposed to be putting forth the law of the oh, land, no. and they're not. It's a law to enrich themselves. So as I was stating, when Jesus turned the money changers tables over and said, you made my father's house a thin of thieves, they were operating their system in the court of law. So-called law. No, no, it was a court of law. But they infiltrated it with their own means and their own will and their own agenda. But the Bible also, that's called, you call that trickery, deception. Yeah. Look where the mixture came in. Back in those days, in the Old Testament, the priest sat in the temple and he lawfully, a righteous man of God, he sat in the place as we know judges sit today and he was the decider upon the law as it relates to the word of God as it relates to dispute that came before him. Now, instead of a priest rightfully using the law, the word of God, the law of land, we have Ooh. a judge, an imposter, sitting in office. But with all power and, and with people uh, at his beck and call to arrest, to detain, to capture, whatever you want to call this. Yeah. And because he, they have the army. Mm -hmm. at their disposal that yeah, if you don't do what they say do they they can then enforce their system or they impose their their system on you right. so that's the power that they do that's where the magic and the trickery is deception oh because they can come get you they come knock on your door yeah and they write codes and laws to not legal system to help them to oh they would get they, they get their back against the wall they're gonna hook and crook to get their way out of it you know they it's very rare that you see a judge go to prison. But they do go to prison. Well, well, just like it's very rare to see a police officer charged. Yeah. What they call charged with harming a particular someone look like us. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know we just went through the George Floyd thing, which it was a major uh, which, uh, impact because they once in the life of the African people on this continent, they felt they got some type of justice. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people still debate that. But, you know, so the same thing is going on with the system when we're talking about, let's go to mind, like when we, back in the days, because this can get deeper than what, what it have gotten already, people. So we don't, we don't want to uh, have to burden you with this, <laughs> with this power and information yeah, and, knowledge, knowledge. and knowledge that yeah. can awaken you. Mm. And I say awaken. That's the that is the purpose of count time wow. to awaken those or civilly dead that you may know your rights. The mind. Remember the days when we would sit outside on the wreck yard at Oakdale, Louisiana. Paul. Okay. So the UCC Uniform Commercial Code. Uh huh. It's about one thing, right? Commerce. Commerce, which is end up in the other thing. Contracts. Contracts. Right. Contracts establish the law. 
and Uniform Commercial Code, if you look at all your heads of state, the highest military officers in the land, Secretary of State, that's where all corporations must register to operate and be bonded, right? The Secretary of State, which we know, the United States government has a what? Secretary, yeah, Secretary of State. Of state. Yeah, that's right. So these are all heads of state. And so all these heads of state are operating under what's called the Delahoye Convention. That's where your uniform law comes into play. So all property, everybody engaging in commerce, all legal entities have to be registered, insured, and bonded for injuries. So that allowed them to all be on a level playing field when conducting business with one another. But as it relates to property and goods, an example that the mom was saying that they're playing by a different set of rules when it comes to us is, so just imagine that I'm the owner of a car and I set my car on fire on my own property, on my own land. And someone calls the police and say, hey, this man is setting the car on fire. And here they come on my own private land. And they're now charging me arson, destruction of property. Of your own property. To my vehicle. So imagine me going to court, being charged for my own property that I set fire. You have no accuser, nobody saying, hey, that's my car, he owed me, he damaged me. Nobody was hurt, no harm. It's the same way in the criminal proceeding where you don't have an accuser and you have possession of a controlled substance. You have no damaged party. No accuser coming forward and say, hey, this guy took my drugs. They belong to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the federal government said, yeah, they're drugs. So you did. So, so <laughs> look what the government is saying. The government is saying, hey, that's my drugs. You are my property. And I told you when you pledge your allegiance to the United States Corporation as a citizen, that you can only indulge in the stuff I allow you to. Privileges. Now, I want to let you know once again, this is count time. We got Brother DeMond Gray and Brother Paul, Tom, Paul Thomas, who are dear friends of mine, who I met at the University of Oakdale, Louisiana, yeah. uh, where we all received our PhD, prisonology degree. I want you to realize that no, they do not have a approved degree by the, <laughs> the, the, the system right. uh, but they have been enlightened in a way where the system would never be and we're not because they don't want you to know or uh, to be awakened to know the truth they want you to, uh, to always to uh, be to look for the, the pie in the sky the illusion so we are here to awaken you awaken those who are civil, civilly dead so once again, it's count time, and we're here discussing about our travels, our, as we have gone through this system, as we have been awakened, and we just wanna, like I say, chop it up and share it with you all out there where y'all can have some, some insight about this. Now let's fast forward, let's jump ahead. I wanted to bring this subject matter up, and please, we wanna, if we can tie it back to the, uh, prison system, to your experience, to the UCC code, or to the federal government, please do. So, now we all kept saying that we know our, we are three brothers here who our ancestors affected by this system. 
we want to know and, and many, for, many of us for so many years been talking about reparation. It's time for them to pay their debt. Time for, the, for, the, for these people to pay what they've done to our ancestors. And many are very hopeful that they're going to get reparation one day soon, very soon. <laughs> Brother Paul Thomas, what are your insight <laughs> on reparation? It's funny how the very congressmen and senators and your judges that's in position today their forefathers were the same ones that came and plundered, murdered, stole land, and enslaved our people. So they're the ones that have all the incentive in the world to keep this monetary system in play, where they're reaping all the benefits, and to give us reparation after unjust enslavement, after building up this country, that means money have to come out of someone's pocket. So if they set up a whole banking system, pharmaceutical industry, a whole government body to where money is being reaped for corporations and plantations that they own, in order for us to receive that money back, whose pocket is going to come from? And I only ask this because no way in the world should have taken so long for us to receive reparation. So it must somehow some way going to affect someone or someone is afraid of our people getting in a position to where we're ruling and reigning well you know the bible says the first should be last the last should be first mm -hmm. so i'm asking this question here in light of what's just happened we just saw the last few weeks where the federal government have went into afghanistan 20 years ago mm -hmm. and done the same thing there have plundered, have uh, murdered, murdered, taken down the powers to be, the leaders. They are protecting the fields of opioids. That's 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 what yeah. they are doing. Matter of fact, when the when they first got to Afghanistan, Afghanistan started burning them. The Taliban was was burning, burning the fields up. Right. The United States government started and, killing them. And you know how we found that out because we was in prison, and one of our good friends, which was from Pakistan, yeah. Muhammad Gali. Yeah. Muhammad Ali came to us. He said, "Man, yo," he said, "I don't understand why your media lies so much." I say, "Well, what you talking about?" <laughs> he said, "Man," he said, "Um, he said the Taliban are not are not a terrorist group." He said, "They're he said they're just simply trying to stop the flow of drugs all over the world. That's why that's why the Taliban are burning those fields of opioids. They are trying to change." This, you know, this, this, this drug trade, and, and probably create something more positive. And so that was a threat to the, to the, not only the pharmaceuticals, but think about it, the American economy. That is, that is a terrorist threat to stop the flow of them opioids to America is a terrorist threat. Well, think about this. I can't remember what year it was, but it was the year when China. When China created, there was an opium war in China. China had an opium that. war. Yeah. That was created by the Queen of England. Mm -hmm. They call it the biggest drugs are in the world. Right. So the drug, the flow of drugs have always been used right. for commerce, to control people. When Britain put the Chinese on opium right. back then, when back the opium then, war right, back, back then. Started. Right. So you know, so you telling me. It's, it's, 2000, it's, it's the 21st century in the United States and Britain 
and its allies are still doing the exact same thing? Well, you know, they say if it's not broke, don't fix it. So it works. Right? Yeah. So let's, let's keep it going. If this is our way of establishing uh, whatever you want to call it, a stronghold, a, a trade, making money, whatever it is, let's keep it going. We don't have to change it. But now, I guess they must have they cut a deal with the Taliban and they bring in the, the people want to come back from Afghanistan. They're bringing thousands of people back from Afghanistan. Of, of, they're bringing back the Afghanistan, Afghanistan's back to the U.S. And a for, that's a form of reparation. They are paying these people back for what they've done in their country and also the position they have put these people in. Mm -hmm. Some of the people can't stay there because yeah. they work with the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. So they have to take care of these people. They have to bring these people back to the U.S. So that's to me, that's another form of reparation, right? Or from a better opportunity. A better opportunity better here for what we've done to you the last 20 years, the position mm -hmm. we've put you in. So Demai. Yes, sir. Follow up on that for me. All right. Well, I do have some bad news. And uh, <laughs> we got some, the good news first. <laughs> unfortunately, um, you will never see reparations. Ho, 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 ho. You mean me personally? I mean, no one in our time, generation. Generation to come? Generations to come. The reparation deal is over. It's, it's, the topic of reparations now is basically a political theory in order to get votes. So we will never see reparations, and I'm going to break that down to the simplest element so I hope that everybody can understand. And it, it all relies in commerce and contracts, go, those two. It goes back to the same thing, commerce and contract. Back to the, the, the very topics that we were discussing. So first of all, what is uh, what is reparations? Let's let's get down to the bottom. What is the hardcore definition? We're not talking about the surface definition. We are talking about the hardcore definition of reparations is being compensated for a injury. That's what it is. So we back to the same. We're back to the same thing of why the so-called <laughs> system is set up. It's set up, right? The court so, system. In order to receive reparations, there has to be an injured party, right? So who were the injured parties that could have possibly received reparations? And some did receive reparations, but who were they, right? This is who they were. They were the people that were in slavery. And unfortunately, they were in slavery. And unfortunately, they are no longer around <laughs> they are no longer to speak. <laughs> Or right. to bring a claim themselves. If you were not in slavery, you are not an injured party to that injury. So you're saying that reparation that the people did to did in this day and time would never see the light of day. The Jews had an opportunity whether they charged the Germans with reparation, but they had loved ones who lived through it it was able to tell the story. Mm -hmm. So they was able to collect mm -hmm. their reparation from Germany. Right. Uh, uh, so the Jews are from the Germans too, because they're from Germany. They're from Germany, but they was able to collect reparation and still collecting mm -hmm. because they, they were still here to tell their side of the story. Right. But our ancestors 
Ain't nobody is no hundred and seventy something years old to be right. here to tell a story. Right. That's what you're saying. That's the difference now. Yeah, and and also we have to we we can't forget, um, like Paul said, contracts make the law, and so at that time citizenship contract make the law or the laws of the legal system. I mean, that's, and they were operating <laughs> at that. You know that that's their system. Those slaves who converted to being a citizen because they are now afforded the protection of the United States government and not so, only so, that. So you, you now, it's a contract. It is a contract. So you agreeing to get the, the what from the system? You are, at Pro that time, the, the main thing was protection and you said something else, able to operate in the system. They traded that. It was a fair trade, and that's how the government protected themselves. Now, we offer you reparations. I mean, if we offer you citizenship, right, you can't come back and sue us for reparations because a lot of people don't understand the, the act of, of obtaining reparations. You have to sue the government to get reparations because you are claiming to be an injured party. If I'm injured, how do I get money from the person who injured me? I sue them, right? And so what what is the government said? The government says, hey, you cannot sue us. We have to give you permission to sue us. See that? That that's that's the act of suing the government. And, the, so and, it's, we, and it's not possible. It's not to possible sue, to sue the government. The US government. <laughs> Remember earlier I mentioned that I said, hey, look, what we're saying is that we're gonna abide by rules where there's no victim or no damaged party. And follow your little rules and everything and allow you to sue us, convict us without a damaged party? That's because we pledge our allegiance, the fruit of our labor, all that we are to the United States government when we maintain or obtain citizenship. So at this point, I'm a citizen or classified as a citizen of the United States. And a lot of people don't even know the rules in which we're playing by in the judicial system and in the rules of life. That there are a lot of assumptions out there that until you properly rebut them, you can't receive the benefit of a creditor. You're gonna forever be a debitor. So as it relates to reparation again, yes, our ancestors were here to tell their stories. They have documentaries you can watch on people that were actually slaves telling what happened. And yes, we are the, we are, but we are the descendants of slaves. Yes, I like to say enslaved. Yeah, and we can see the cause and effects of slavery until now. And we can show a just cause to be compensated, to receive reparations. We can show that. But the fact that we've entered into a total new set of rules, a contract, we forfeited that away. And plus you just said that the government came sue nor be sued they can well, sue but they you cannot sue the government unless they give permission to be sued as a citizen you can't sue the government it's it's like they have judicial immunity so you would have to get someone outside of that judicial immunity in order to attach a claim to them in their personal capacity so it almost have to be that it is clearly shown that that individual injured you while in his private capacity or working for the government.
So when that's clearly stated, there ain't no way around that. They can be sued from that aspect. But when you're trying to sue them from uh, wrong done because of a court case, you agree to be the debtor, and it's not about the drugs and the guns. It's about a debt being paid that you're the debtor for. If you do anything else to show that you're the creditor and not the debtor, then you're going to lose. If you do anything other than showing that you're the creditor and not the debtor, you're going to lose. You have to show you're the creditor in the situation. The court system operates on behalf of creditors, not debtors. Reparation is for creditors, not debtors. So yes, we stand to be compensated, but we forfeited by gaining citizenship. We so, forfeited by contract so, law. So you're telling me when Martin Luther King signed the Civil Rights Bill in 19... I'm not sure. 56, 57, yeah. that we forfeit our rights to sue the U.S. government well, because was, we became citizens and also it gave us the right well, to participate have, in the system. Well, the assumption of citizenship was already there, even if it wasn't defined, then that's what we were talking about. The contract was in existence. So whatever uh, Martin Luther King did, it probably added more terms to the contract or altered terms of the contract, but the contract was already in existence. You follow me? People, you need to understand this. Politicians are gonna play on your emotions. Politicians want you to feel that you are gonna get something for nothing. These people know that there is no chance of you getting no reparations. So. <laughs> When they have these big meetings in Congress, you know, they had a whole thing in Congress, what, a few months ago. The whole thing was about reparations. You got these young black guys and gals in there talking about why they feel like they should have reparations, but nobody is telling them that, dude, you're a citizen. You're a debtor. You forfeited You that, forfeited right? all of that. It's over with, right? So we people need to understand that. But there's a lot I don't know. There's a lot I don't understand. But what I do know is that the system is not what most people think it is. We're slaves and debtors to the system. And there's knowledge out there where a person can come from underneath that slave state and be a, a creditor. So you know, we did a show and say, which state you live in? <laughs> yes. And um, hopefully in the future we could do a few podcasts. We could elaborate it on how to become a creditor in your mortgage transaction, when dealing with cars, when dealing with uh, student loans, student debt, credit card debt. You know, a podcast on teaching the people how to come from under these things and exposing to them who they are, how to put yourself from that debtor situation to that creditor situation so you can do away with all this senseless debt that came from you as the flesh and blood man and woman anyway. You brought the money into existence. In this case, the cash, there is a difference. So just like the government created uh, you and made you out of debtor, they also got to give you a way out. Have to. Yep. Have to. And that's like in the Bible when they say seven years of, uh, what do they call that? Uh, yeah. ju uh, jubilee. The year of jubilee. The year, year of jubilee. jubilee. Yeah. So, the, so we have to, people have to find out what year is their jubilee. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, if you read the book of Leviticus, and it talks about voluntarily servitude, that at any time, 
because it was voluntarily, you can come up out of it. And there's a process that exists today in the book demand was mentioned earlier of cracking the code, how to come from under the state of being a debitor into a state of being a creditor. To know when your value is being monetized to benefit someone else and when you can use it to benefit you. And it's all according to their law. So what we're saying is that we're going to help people with their state of mind. State of mind. Through count time, through Brother Paul and DeMond, we're going to help to awaken those who've been civilly dead. Yes. Yes. And, and we're going to do that by teaching them. By teaching and directing them, showing them where to gain the knowledge and how to properly apply it once they gain the knowledge so they can be self-sufficient, so they can stand on their own. So they can know themselves. Because see, a, a lot of times when you introduce new information to people, they fight you. And they think everything is fraud. But until you become one with the information and you know for yourself this is the law, and you can find where it is codified in the federal rules of civil procedure, now you are armed with tools that you can go in and you know that has to be abided by. And it all extends from the Uniform Commercial Code. The Uniform Commercial Code is the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. In other words, the Uniform Commercial Code, which is the Federal Rules of Civil, civil Procedure, which is commerce, which is the same rules of the banking system. The exact same rules. Right. Because, so hold on, hold on. <laughs> The Federal Civil Procedure Codes mm -hmm. and the banking system or the banking codes and the Uniform Commercial Code are really one in the same. One in the same. So that's almost like a three-sided pyramid. Yeah, see, they all in our... <laughs> and what I mean by that, one can't override the other. It's universal law that they're abiding by. So when kings deal amongst each other, no one is being cheated. But when they deal amongst subject and slaves, that's when we get statutes and codes. And we need one of their men to interpret it for us. But they're interpreting it in a way that's only going to benefit the kings and queens they represent. So the code is never going to benefit us because they're not going to tell us who we are. That's why we have to know thyself. Until you know thyself, you'll never know the truth. You'll never know the truth, and you're going to fight anybody who come about to tell you the truth. One of the, um, one of the things when you, uh, in the first few pages, or maybe on the first page of um, the book, The Crack in the Code, um, there was a statement, and the author said, don't even start reading this book until you are willing to accept that everything you have been taught in your life is a lie. In that book, Crack of the Code, there's also a story. But mm -hmm. look here, fellas, I want to let you all know this is what I'm talking about. This is what we used to do out there in the prison yard. Yeah. <laughs> Chop it up. Chop it up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of stuff we used to be sitting there. I'm sitting there as a student to these young men who opened my mind, who awakened me. <clears throat> And y'all want you to always remember now, the problem with being asleep, one don't know they're asleep until they wake up. 
So, and that could be a problem because there's times that we all been sleeping. Somebody shook us. Hey, Paul, get up, get up, you're sleeping. You wake up, I ain't sleeping. Man, I'm telling you, I'm watching you just now. You, you, you was asleep. But you don't know you're asleep until you wake up. So somebody can wake you up and you still don't realize you was asleep. So, so many of the people are asleep. And unfortunately, they don't know they're asleep. We all been there. So we're hoping to awaken those who are in that state where they can begin to see the truth, find themselves, and understand the, that, the, uh, the trickery that is being played on them, us, the people in this country. So we want to thank Brother Tamon Gray and Brother Paul Thomas, who have been my mentors, my teachers, who have shown me and enlightened me in so many ways, and that's why Count Time exists today, because of Paul Thomas and Demond Gray. And remember, it's a place where we want you to come to hear the truth, to hear the word, and the word that God has presented to us, though we ain't no preachers, we just sharing words with you. So, Brother Demond, I want to thank you for being here today and sharing your insight, knowledge on Count Time. Yes, sir. I'm happy to be here. Look forward to coming back. Oh, it'll be many more times. Brother Paul <laughs> Thomas, my brothers, thank you for, getting, for being here today and sharing your words. Yeah, just let me know when you want to do it again. If you got an in-depth subject that the people may request as it relates to subjects we discuss, let me know and I'll prepare myself to help them out best I can. Well, y'all can hit us. Hit me up at LD Azopra, AD. The L D L like in Larry, D like in David, A like in Apple, Z like in Zebra, O B like in Brother, R like in Ray, A like in Apple. L D is over at count time. And you can find me in Brooktown, the corner of McCullough. You heard me? Before I leave, I want to let you know these two young men who was locked up for. 14, 15 years, seven, six, seven years. Brother DeMond, tell them what you're doing now. You came back and you, what you do, what, how are you contributing to society? Yeah, well, I own a trucking company now, and that's not my first venture, but right now I own a trucking company, and I'm hiring people, putting people to work. What, what, and, what, 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 truck, what type of trucking company? Uh, well, we do, well, I started off doing uh, furniture deliveries, but now I've branched off, off into over the road. So we load up trailers and haul them all over the country now. So uh, I'm giving back to the community by employing people in disadvantaged situations, and, um, and I love helping people out. Okay, Brother Paul, tell them what you're doing. Well, I started my own business, uh, Car Crusaders LLC. So what I do Car is, Crusaders? Yeah, Car Crusaders LLC. Um, I buy and sell used vehicles. Um, as well as I manage account for family and friends. So I do a lot of trading Monday through Friday. We're we going to get to that because we want to, I remember years ago when you, before people was talking about Bitcoin, you was already into it. Yeah. We're going to bring you back one day. We're going to talk about Bitcoin. We don't want, talk, we don't want, yeah. you know, break it down now, but get back and finish your situation. <clears throat> yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I'm selling used vehicles and managing accounts for family and friends through trading the financial markets. So the, the prison, has opened a prisoner light that helped you to come out here and do for yourself. 
Yes. So, so it, it, you know, so you are, you have truly, you, both of you have truly earned your PhD <laughs> at the University yes, of Oakdale, Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> we went, and next, and we, so we, it was a lot of fun. It was a, you know, great opportunity. I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. It was tough. It was hard being away from your family. But, you know, we, we all took advantage of the opportunity. We thank you once again for joining into our Count Time program. And always remember this here. Man can shackle the hand. Man can shackle the feet. But only you can shackle the mind. The mind is always free to travel wherever you dare to take it. And I'd like to thank you for tuning in once again to Count Time Podcast. I'm Brother L. Diazobra. Thank you once again. Remember, it's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. Time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted.